Well, as I'm sure you all know, this week our nation is celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Some of you may have the day off tomorrow, post office will be closed, banks are closed and so on. Why don't we have a national holiday dedicated to remembering the life and legacy of, of Dr. King. Well, Dr. King uh, was born January 15th, 1929, uh, 89 years ago, I guess it is now. He was an extremely bright kid. As a matter of fact, he was so smart, he uh, actually skipped both ninth and 12th grade in high school Uh, took an entrance exam when he was 15 years old and started college at age 15. After his graduation from college, he set off um, for Pennsylvania where he attended seminary, where he was elected president of the student body. He was just 25 years old when he accepted a call to serve as pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, and within just a couple of, of uh, years of that time, he had, uh, had earned his doctorate, thus uh, the title of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Within 10 years of starting um, his, uh, that first position as a, a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama, he had organized the Montgomery bus boycott prompted by um, of course, uh, Rosa Parks uh, refusing to, uh, to move uh, to the back of the bus. He had helped form and served as the first president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He had de- delivered that uh, famous, iconic, I have a dream speech before a crowd of over a quarter million people at the Lincoln Memorial in 1963. He had been chosen as Time Magazine's Man of the Year and had become the youngest recipient ever of the Nobel Peace Prize. All that took place within the first 10 years of his ministry by the time he was 35 years old. We are such losers. (laughs) It's just amazing to me. Um. Dr. King's ministry uh, has personally met a great deal to me personally. When I was uh, a freshman in college, I had a poster of Dr. King hanging in my dorm room. And um, his ministry, his, his courage, uh, his ability to love people that hated him, uh, his extraordinary ability as a public speaker, all of that stuff had a huge impact on me and was a contributing factor uh, in my becoming a pastor. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, the day I received my, my doctorate uh, degree many years ago now, I, I thought about Dr. King. He was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I got to be the Reverend Dr. Jeff Cheadle. And, and part of the reason that was important to me is because he was kind of a, a model for me. Now, all of that being said, um, We all know he wasn't a perfect person. Uh, None of us is. He had character flaws uh, just like the rest of us. But he lived a life that made a lasting difference. Our nation is different today because he made a lasting difference. 
And, and the burden of today's message is this. You can make a lasting difference too. It, it doesn't matter who you are. You can make a difference. Every person who is here today, whether you happen to believe this at the moment or not, everyone who is here today has the capacity to make a contribution that can make the world a better place. And it's a contribution that can outlast us, outlast the the short time that each of us has here. Dr. King's life and legacy, in my judgment, can both instruct us and inspire us in that most worthy of endeavors. Dr. King, of course, absolutely can't be understood apart from his relationship with the Lord and the faith that shaped his life was the motivation for everything that he did. While while it's probably true that he is best remembered as a public figure and as a kind of social reformer, I think we need to remember that Dr. King was first and foremost and above all else a pastor and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life can't be understood apart from his identity as a Christian and apart from his relationship with the Lord. I believe that if we want to make a lasting difference in the lives of other people, if we want to make a lasting contribution to others, we also need to build our lives on the firm foundation of our relationship with God, the firm foundation of God, God's will, and God's word. That's why I chose the, the, mess, or the, the text that I did for today. When we build our lives on that foundation, it can withstand uh, the storms of life that will inevitably come to all of us. But if we build our lives on sand, and frankly, you know, many people do, um, all bets are, are off. Now this, this weekend, we're, we're launching this new message series called Life Hacks. If you're not familiar with that, that uh, term, life hacks, life hacks are, are ingenious ways to do everyday things that, that make our lives and the lives of others better. And one of the things that we're going to be doing in this series, we'll be, we're going to be looking at some of the surprising and ingenious and time-tested things that the Bible has to say about uh, topics like how to uh, get healthy, how to stay healthy, how to actually grow younger, how to take control of our finances, how to find the time to do things that uh, matter most in life. I'll tell you, a common thread is going to run through all of the messages in this series. And it's this, that life works way better when we base our decisions, and when we build our lives on God and on God's will and on God's word. I, I can't begin to imagine how Dr. King would have been able to do what he did, how he would have been able to accomplish what he accomplished apart from his relationship with the Lord. I don't think it would have happened. 
And if we want our lives to be different, if we want our lives to be better, if we want to make a lasting difference, if we want to leave a legacy so that people will remember us with gratitude, if we want to make the world a better place, we need to make our relationship with God a priority and build our lives on the Lord. Base our decisions on God's word. Practically speaking, what's that look like to to make our relationship with the Lord a a priority? I think one thing it it means is making worship a priority. You know, just showing up. And not just showing up, but being present and participating. Um, Because not only are we best blessed by that, but we bless others as well. I think it means spending time every day in, in God's word. And in prayer, not because those are, are legalistic have-tos, but because they are gifts that we get to. I think making God a priority in our lives means getting involved in a group. Um, one of the reasons that we have growth groups here at Stonebridge is because we realize that people really learn to apply God's word. And, and, and have an opportunity to grapple with God's word in the context conversation with other people who also take it seriously. I think it means learning how and finding ways to show God's love in a practical way through serving others in a way that fits our shape. And, and this is just all basic stuff. Straight from the mouth of Jesus... What does he say? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, and he's talking in the context of things that make us anxious and the things that we worry about. He says, put God first in your life and all these things that you worry about will be taken care of. All these things will be added to you as well. Put God first in your life. In the words of the Old Testament prophet Micah, uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And your life will start to change. Your family will start to change. Your work relationships will, will begin to be transformed. I, I think one of the most um, iconic images that people have of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, is his his powerful and his moving I Have a Dream speech. That was delivered on uh, Wednesday, August 28, 1963. And uh, I knew at least three people who were present when he delivered that speech. And when I say present, I'm not talking about they were standing way in the back of the reflecting pool at the Lincoln Memorial they were on the steps with Dr. King. I, I remember on the 20th anniversary of Dr. King's uh, delivering that speech, I was a hospital chaplain at the University of Virginia Medical Center. We were attending a church in Charlottesville, and churches all up and down the East Coast, and I think in other places in the United States, uh, were marking the 20th anniversary of Dr. King's delivering the the I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington. And I remember getting on a bus at the church that we attended and going into Washington, D.C. and standing with hundreds of thousands of people on the 20th anniversary. I wish I'd been there in 63. 
One of the things you may not know about that, um, that famous speech is that the I have a dream part wasn't originally a part, uh, meant to be a part of it. Dr. King had worked with a speech maker, um, speech writer, kind of uh, doc, Dr. King's ideas, but this guy kind of served as a scribe and, and reflected some ideas back. And he had, uh, the, Dr. King had written seven paragraphs, and, and they were good. And you can hear them because they're the, the first half of the message. Um, but there comes a point, and you can actually see this if you look at speech on, on YouTube or elsewhere, uh, you can see a point where Dr. King pushes his manuscript aside. Why did he do that? Because great gospel singer Mahalia Jackson was on the stage with him, and she said, tell him about your dream, Martin. Tell him about your dream. And he looks over. You can see him acknowledging what she says. He pushes the manuscript aside, and he looks at the audience, and he goes, I have a dream today. One of the greatest speeches, one of the most influential speeches that changed our nation. I believe that that Dr. King was able to accomplish what he did because of his relationship with God and because he dared to dream. Because he dared to dream God, a God-given, God-sized dream. And if you want to make a lasting difference. If you want to leave a legacy of a life that matters, I want to encourage you guys to dare to dream a God-given, God-sized dream. And One of the biggest obstacles to positive change in, in our lives, one of the biggest obstacles to positive change in our relationships and in the workplace and in the world around us is our lack of imagination, our inability to to picture how things could actually be better. And as a result of that, what happens is we settle for what is and think it's inevitable rather than imagining what might be and seeing it as possible. Um, moving from you know the kind of the realm of uh, of social reform to to business back in 1994 um a couple of guys Jim Collins and Jerry Porras uh, wrote a book called Built to Last Successful Habits of Visionary Companies and and in that book uh Collins and Porras suggests that great organizations have something uh that they called and they coined this term. They called it BHAGs. Anybody know what a BHAG is? B-H-A-G. Big, hairy, audacious goals. These are uh, big, these big, hairy, uh, audacious goals are clear, emotionally compelling, near impossible vision statements that that grip people's imaginations and and catalyze cooperation and and action. I'll give you a great example of that. Um, Back in 1961, John F. Kennedy was inaugurated as President of the United States, and, uh, and his inauguration was under a kind of a cloud because four years before, the Russians, the, uh, the Soviet Union, had 
uh, had set first satellite into space, Sputnik 1. And um, within just a couple of months of, of President Kennedy's inauguration, they had, I, I think within just a couple of months of that, they had sent the first person into space. And so that, um, that spring, President Kennedy delivered a speech in which he said, this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to earth. That was a big, hairy, audacious goal. And you know what? Some of the people in this room helped pull it off in 1969. That's right. Dr. King dared to dream. He dared to dream that the suffocating, evil practice of racial segregation could be ended. And it could be ended by appealing to the conscience of our nation. It was a God-given and it was a God-sized dream that came true. And it came true in large part because he was willing to dream the dream. And it came true in part because God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine according to his power that is work within us when people dare to dream. And so I, I want to ask you this morning, what is God's God-given, God-sized dream for your life? Do you have that kind of a dream? Uh, now, it's probably not going to be the same dream that uh, it can't be the same dream that was given to, to Dr. King. Maybe for some of us here today, it's going to be more modest, but it's still going to be for us God-sized. Maybe it's getting out of debt for the first time in our lives. Maybe it's getting healthy. Maybe it is finding a new job or entering into a new career or going to college or finishing college or going to a trade school. I'll tell you this, if it's God's dream, if it's God's dream for your life, it will be a challenge. And it might seem, seem impossible. I'll tell you something else about it. It will be a dream about something that matters. It will be a dream that makes a difference. And it will also be a dream that makes things better for others. Not just for you. Because this dream is God-sized. What is God's dream for your life? Do you know? Do you have a dream like that? Has God given you a dream? If not, ask Him to show you. Ask Him to show you. Dare to dream a God-sized, God-given dream that will lead to your making a lasting difference in this world. But don't just dream. Don't just dream. Take action. 
do something about it. I love uh, this, this quote, change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, Dr. King said, but comes through continuous struggle. See, it's, it's not enough to say, I want to lose weight this year, or I want to get out of debt, or I want to make a difference in somebody's life, or you know, I want to do something to, to help with the opioid crisis, or with, with the problems that older people are suffering with. You know, for those things to happen, you can't just dream. You have to take action. It wasn't enough for, for Dr. King to dream about the end of racial segregation. People had dreamed about that for hundreds of years. He and others who shared his dream had to take steps to make that dream come true. And oftentimes they were literal steps. Joining other people and just marching. Almost always, the steps we need to take to make the world a better place, to change our lives, almost always, those steps we need to take involve sacrifice. And some of us are skittish about sacrificing. But um, here's a life hack. Think of sacrifice as an investment. Think of sacrifice as, as an investment. You know, getting good grades in school takes study. And you may think, oh man, I have to sacrifice to do that. Uh, no, you have to invest. Digging yourself out of debt takes discipline. Your discipline in doing that is an investment in your future, in your kid's future. It's an investment as, as we begin to manage our resources in a godly uh, way. It's an investment in the kingdom of heaven. Having a strong marriage, that takes selflessness. So you know what? Selflessness is an investment. It's an investment. Because when you are willing to, to make the sacrifice of you know, cutting your spouse some slack or forgiving them for some wrong, real or imagined, you make your marriage better. And it's better for you, and it's better for your spouse, and it's better for your children, it's better for our church, it's better for the community. Selflessness is an investment. So I want to ask you this morning, what investments is God asking you to make so that God's dream for your life and for the life of others and for our world can become a reality? You know, in, in addition to building our lives on a, a godly foundation, a firm foundation, and daring to dream God-given, God-sized dreams, and then taking action on those dreams. Dr. King's life and legacy illustrates another truth, and that is the importance of working with other people. If you want to see life change, if you want to see the world change, 
Look for people to partner with. Don't try to do that by yourself. You will fail. You'll fail if you try to go it alone. Look for people to partner with. Dr. King was never alone. He was never alone in the struggle for civil rights. He surrounded himself with people who shared his dream. He was surrounded with people who drew strength and, encur- and he drew strength and encouragement from them. And he offered strength and encouragement to them in return. That's a cool thing about working together. We're better together. Partnering with others, for Dr. King, partnering with others was especially important, not only because the task was so great, but also because Dr. King, as so many great people have, struggled with depression. The family and the friends and the co-workers he worked with lifted his spirits when he was discouraged and helped him to persevere in the face of the incredible opposition and hatred he so often faced. He needed other people. Dr. King needed other people. Jesus needed disciples. And we think we can do it better ourselves if we, oh, it's just easier if I do it myself. Oh, it's just less hassle. You know what? Maybe it is, but you won't get near as much done. Who are the the people that God has placed in your life that you can partner with to reach the truly God-given, God-sized, God-sized dreams that you've been given? There there are so many places in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul reminds us, encourage one another and build each other up. Pray for each other. Support one another. Love one another. Those are over five dozen one another commands in the New Testament that, that insist that we will never rise to our full stature as children of God unless we are in ministry together, learning from and teaching one another, drawing strength from and giving strength to one another. Who are the people God's placed in your life? Who, who are you partnering with? And if you don't have partners who are dreaming with you and, and doing things with you to make the world a better place, uh, let's go back a step. Time to take action. You know, think about God, bring people into my life. God, show me the people you've already brought into my life. Look for friends here in church you can dream with, that you can serve with, that you can grow with. Get into a growth group. One last lesson from the life and legacy of Dr. King, and this is supremely important and For some of us, maybe this is the message that we uh, are here today um, to hear. Refuse to give up on God's dream for your life. Refuse to give up. Stay positive. Trust God. Keep hope alive. Do not give up. Do not give up. I think we have all, from time to time, 
just had that experience where you know the problems just seem so big where the wind just like in the par- or in the the text that Jesus is talking about uh, today the wind is blowing and beating against our our lives and the foundation is shaking and we just feel like I I've had enough because I think about my own ministry I can I identify any number of times when I just felt like you know what I don't need to do this I could do something else I'm glad I didn't give up and there are times probably when you you have felt like giving up and and I hope you didn't and I hope that as you look back on those moments that God's given you the perspective to see you know what I'm glad I stuck with it because that'll give you uh, perspective and the courage and the power when the next time you feel like giving up you, you'll say, no, I need to remember that. Dr. King spoke about the power, the importance of stick to when he challenged and encouraged an audience by, by saying these words, you know, if, if, you, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you have to do, keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't give up on God's dream for your life. Why is it so important to keep moving forward? Because every God-given, God-sized dream that we have received from the Lord is ultimately rooted and ultimately grounded in God's great love for us and for others and for this world. And because every God-sized, God-given dream serves to further God's great love. So if you want to make a lasting difference, if you want to leave a legacy that matters, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't make God just one priority among many. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God in the center of your life. Let his power, his perspective shape your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as Dr. King's life and legacy so brilliantly and perfectly illustrates, love your neighbor as yourself. One of the things I find most extraordinary about uh, Dr. King's legacy was uh, the way in which uh, he was able to treat even those who were opposed to him, his enemies, people who literally wanted him dead, that he'd treat them with grace. And though he was willing and, and able and supremely capable of speaking truth to power, he never forgot that the people who were opposed to him were human beings created in the image and likeness of God who could be won over by the power of love. As impossible as that might seem. And so he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that.
So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on God's dream for your life. Don't give up on God's dream for the world. Don't cave in when you experience opposition or when you're misunderstood or when you're not appreciated. And don't give up on the power of God's love. For as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Read it with me. If we do not give up.